freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports Station. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Let that fire! Oh, yes. Good morning. Hello. It is Brock and Salk. Hello. Boo. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. Seattle Sports app and all the podcast platforms, including Spotify. You know what I did yesterday when I tweeted out some uh, Jeff Passan video? I sent a link to listen to the whole interview, and rather than using Apple Podcast, I used Spotify. Stud Rebel at work. Dude, I don't know. I, I felt pretty proud of myself for A, finding us on Spotify, and then B, figuring out how to copy the link to our special show podcast page there and then get all that out to people. So you can call me whatever you want. What I <laughs> what I generally refer to myself as is an intuitive genius when it comes to some technology stuff on the computer. Finding Talk a link to share. Intuitive. How proud you are of doing basic things like that. It doesn't make you come across as intuitive genius okay. it's i'm not telling you i'm an actual genius i'm not somebody who invented the computer or the podcast or anything like that those are geniuses people who know how that stuff works and can like write the code and all that as far as i know if you can write code you're a genius even if you're like four years old but actually finding it that takes intuition Got and it. that's what i have is i'm kind of an intuitive genius when it comes to things like that so yes you can find us on spotify in addition to apple podcasts and just uh, you know subscribe so that it comes directly to your phone every single day and you can do that uh apple podcast google podcast spotify you name it all right did i tell you that i tried to make a, a playlist once of our lines ranked of all the songs had lines in it, it take, take you like an hour and a half basically because i just wanted to listen to hold the line <laughs> over and over it's like oh we should do this every day and they're like oh this would take me a well long that time. was an idea we had at the be- very beginning of the Mike Salk show, right? We were going to keep a a, a show playlist. We, we have one, but unfortunately after like doing all the believes with share and everything else, it, it got to be so long that we weren't able to keep it going. It would That's be weird. fun you to do that though. Something concise? Well, no, that that was not concise. That got that got unwieldy. I will say so. Uh, yeah, maybe that's some norms, but it, it would take a long time. Hey, so there's a ton of national stories today, um, and I kind of want to hit on a bunch of them and, and have small things to say about uh, a lot of them. First of all, congratulations to LeBron. That'll be a need to know, of course. Uh, all-time leading scorer in the NBA, very impressive. A little disappointing that he didn't do it with a hook shot last night. Weren't you sort of hoping he would pay homage to Kareem with a sky hook of some sort? He's obviously capable of doing it. I thought that would have been a nice gesture and a nice moment. But uh, regardless, you I want th- that if you're Kareem, though, like you're breaking my record, and then you're going to. Yeah, I think it's yes, it's an homage. It, it uh, absolutely to me would have been honoring the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, by by using his signature move to show respect for him and what he had done before you. I think it would have been, I think it would have been a really nice honor, but maybe, you know what? The fact that your mind went to, Hey, it would have been, you know, showing him up in some way. Maybe LeBron was worried that enough people would think that way. And so it's just not worth it, but I would have taken it as an honor. And I thought it would have been a really cool move if he had, if he had tried that, but uh, congratulations to him. Not only does he pass Kareem, he does it in like 150 fewer games, which is, two seasons worth. I mean, that's pretty impressive what he did. So uh, all-time leading scorer, and he does it without really being a true scorer, right? I mean, LeBron is sort of an everything guy. 
he's not just like a shooting guard or something like that. I mean, he he does all of it. He can defend. He can play big. He can play small. He can play the point. He can play with the ball in his hand. I mean, he kind of does all of those things. So awfully impressive record. Weirdest thing going on right now is definitely the fact that Aaron Rodgers is trying to figure out the best way to describe this. I guess I'll let him describe it to you himself. That's why I think it's going to be important um, to get through this week and then, uh, you know, to uh, to take my, uh, you know, my isolation retreat and just to be able to contemplate all things, uh, my future and then uh, and then make a decision that I feel like is it's best for me moving forward and in the highest interest of my happiness and then, uh, and then move forward. What's isolation retreat? We're just going into a cave. Are you not going to talk? You're not going to speak one of those things? Yeah. Is it just you in there? Ooh. And if you're just in there alone, do you know how many days you're in there? Are you taking an iPad, a book? Are we able to reach you? What? Is there it's, uh, it's four nights of uh, complete uh, darkness. What? <laughs> he goes on from there. So that, of course, is on the Pat McAfee show. Four nights of complete darkness. What about the day? Is there darkness during the day as well? Are there blackout shades? Or is, I mean, because, you know, it's supposed to be dark at night. Right? I mean, like, I'm sleeping, but I got, you know, it's dark. Well, no kidding. So if it's. Well, but I get the feeling like you don't bring a lantern. You don't, right. bring, you don't have your phone. You don't have TV. You just sit there. Yeah, in the no, dark. that's allowed. You know what that's called? It's dark before you go. You're not going to go to sleep at what, five when it. <laughs> that's called solitary confinement. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, he's yeah. essentially recreating the hole. Yeah. Why? And, and in, not in, like, the isolation tank way where you can kind of, like, float and have, have that. Like, you're, do you, do you, is there a bed in there? Do you laying on the floor, on the ground? I mean, I obviously have a lot of questions. I mean, I think I'll take that over the Pancha Karma cleanse he did last year where <laughs> they basically starved oh, himself and all him, that. Made him, well, like, induced vomiting. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. I've been thinking about this a lot. The, the 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 craziest part of Aaron Rodgers is how not crazy he sounds compared to how crazy he is. <laughs> Got it. Do you know what I mean? Like he with his well. ex-girlfriend now, Blue of Earth, like when she starts talking, it sounds like, you know, complete gibberish. And so you know right off the bat that she's a complete nut. So, okay, that's pretty easy, right? Like you can spot the nut. Oh, she's crazy. Listen to her talk. But when you listen to Rodgers, first of all, you know what an incredible football player he is and that he's been with all these like NFL athletes for the better part of, what, 15, 20 years now. He's been an incredible player. He's won the Super Bowl. He's been the MVP, right? So you can sort of have an idea of what that takes. And you hear him talk. You watch him play golf, which is a very normal person thing to do. He's great at it. He just won the Pro-Am part of the AT&T Pro-Am tournament this last last week. I mean, like, in so many ways, he's normal. And you hear him talk. He sounds normal. But then what he's doing is you very Alaska? much nutsy. Not Alaska, no. I've been to Alaska. That's a beautiful state. That's a lot Are you locked in? Where is it? You're not locked in. No, you can you can leave if you if you've. You know, you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. But it's uh, it's a darkness retreat. Wow. And I've had you know a number of friends who've done it and had some profound uh, experiences. And it's something that's been on my radar for a few years now. And I felt like it'd be awesome to do regardless of where I was leaning after this season. So it's been on the calendar for uh, months and months and months. Months and months you've got circled your darkness retreat. <laughs> he, he does sound, I mean, normal, but he also... If, if it wasn't him, I would think he's a very interesting person. But because it's him, I can't stand it. But I also, well, like, if you're trying to get 
answers to deeper questions in life. That's one thing. You're trying to figure out if you want to play football next year right. and you have to hallucinate every time you do it. Like, because last year he said the ayahuasca, mm-hmm. you know. To learn how to love himself. And here. I guess he also said that this, sitting in isolation, meditation, dealing with your thoughts, it stimulates DMT so there can be some hallucination. Why do you need to hallucinate every time you need an answer to, as to whether you want to play football or not? I wonder if he was just overly um, overly affected by the scene in Top Gun, or not Top Gun, in Young Guns, where they take the peyote in order to figure out where they want to go next, right? Like that takes them through the spirit sure. world and that allows them to decide where they want to go. Maybe he was just super, super affected by that as a kid and just decide that, hey, whenever I got a big decision to make, I got to let that take over. But he sounds normal. He really does. Yeah. Sounds like a normal dude. Sounds like anybody else who might play, you know, football or, you know, that you might know. And then you listen to him talk and you're like, well, that's crazy what you're talking about doing. Like that's that's not the way people make decisions like that. You're going to voluntarily put yourself into isolation like you've committed some sort of penalty in jail. Very weird. Very weird decision making yeah. from Aaron Rodgers. So. I, I have had some friends who have done some things like this and they explain it and they loved it, but they also weren't doing this on a, they didn't go do interviews about this experience. Well, that's true too. They did it on their own time. There quietly. is sort of like a, a performative element yeah. to it, right? When you start telling everybody about it. Now, I guess the flip side is they're asking him, right? I mean, like that is yeah. what he's doing. But it does it does seem a little bit performative. Like he's, tr- like he's trying to hope that other people end up going down this route. And I don't, I don't know that that's like, a, I don't know, whatever. I'm going to move it along. I'm done with Aaron Rodgers for a few minutes. Justin's got a lot of questions about this, and we'll come back to it at 9 o'clock, I promise. Yeah. Before we do it, though, we'll give you everything you actually need to know, including a very, very disappointing afternoon that's coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, up first, the Seahawks. How real was their season last year? Obviously, they accomplished everything that we saw, right? They did go 9-8. and eight. They did make the playoffs, and all that happened. Why? Well, because they completely exceeded all the expectations that everybody had for them. And they did that in a variety of ways. It started with the draft. Absolute score in the draft. So ESPN yesterday redrafted the first two rounds. Seahawks did pretty well. Like, really, really well. Tariq Woolen. They had as the third overall pick. Makes sense. As we've talked about, he probably should be, even though he won't be, the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Cross stayed at number nine. Mafe moved up a spot to 38. Walker moved up a spot to 39. And that's before you even add in Lucas and Bryant, both of whom I thought could have been on that list given how they performed this year. That really is an incredible job by John Schneider. So nice job to him. Tip of the cap. Second of all, Gino, great. How great? Well, according to an NFL analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland, uh, their passing offense came in as the single most overperforming unit in the NFL. She notes that Gino's deep passing, especially early on in the year, drove a lot of that final ranking. Yeah, probably not a surprise to anybody who actually watched it. Lance Zerline, mock draft, that is out as of yesterday. And throw him uh, on the list as yet another person who believes the Seahawks will go with Tyree Wilson at pick number five but kind of a different name for the 20th pick, and that has sort of gone all over the map. He likes Minnesota center John Michael Smiths at that spot. Do you like the idea of them drafting a center? I mean, it's obviously a position that is of some need for them, but I want to see it drafted with the number 20 pick. That'd be hard for me. I think with that pick, I really would like to see them either continue the trend on defense, trade it for an established player, 
or at that point maybe go with a skill position offensively. I'm not saying that you don't need help at, at center, but it would be a little bit hard for me to see them going with a with a center with the number 20 pick overall. If you remember, Zerline was on the station on the show a couple weeks ago, very, very much a fan of Tyree Wilson. I think Tyree Wilson is that kind of guy. He's got Seahawk written all over him, potentially as early as five. He's long. He's athletic. Needs to get a little tougher against the run. But we're talking about a guy who's 6'6", who's just continuing to grow into his frame like he... You see him flash and you say, wow, he's just scratching the surface. I'd like to be 6'6 and just starting to grow into my frame. Unfortunately, I'm 5'10 and I just weigh in a lot higher than I'd like to be. Here's the second thing you need to know. I'm growing into Tyree Wilson's frame, unfortunately. That's the problem. I need to just stay with my own frame. (laughs) Ugly night for the Kraken, and they returned to play after a long layoff. Blown out in New York as the Islanders took advantage of every mistake, and there were plenty of them. Uh, 4-0, your final comes at a cost, too. Andre Burakovsky left the game early with what was called a lower body injury. It was also a non-contact injury, so that's certainly not good. Jaden Schwartz, I don't know if this is an excuse or what. A little bit off today, a little bit tired, and, um, you know, like I said, long, long travel back to Seattle and long travel here, so, um, you know, we don't want to use it too much of an excuse, but we know we got a lot better than that, and... We'll get our energy tomorrow and look at a few things and regroup. Yeah, no thanks. I'm kind of out on the, we had to travel twice to get to the first game after the All-Star break. Get there earlier. What are you talking about? That doesn't, that one doesn't work for me. And I was really excited to watch them last night. They played like garbage. Uh, good news, though, both Matty Beneers and Jaden Schwartz returned to action. Obviously, the return of Beneers, a huge deal. We didn't know just how serious that injury was. And so the fact that he was back was good news. Also saw the debut of new defenseman Jacob Megna. He played in the third pairing with Carson Soucy. On a great night for them. Uh, they both finished a minus two. I thought he looked big, but a little slow. So just something to watch. I don't know. Curious to see him once he gets a little bit more comfortable here if some of that speed picks up. Uh, they'll have a day off and then uh, in New Jersey to take on a very good Devils team tomorrow. Here's the third thing you need to know. LeBron James, a shot in history. LeBron stands alone. The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron. Pretty cool moment last night. Congratulations to LeBron. He passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Did it in 151 fewer games than Kareem did. So nothing chintzy about this record at all. Uh, Kareem and some of his Laker teammates on hand to witness it. AC Green was there. James Worthy was there. That was pretty cool. And then they stopped the game. Now, this is creating a little bit of... I don't know, polarization is some folks don't like that they stopped the game, said they should do it after the game. But you know what? When a record like that happens, I understand why you got to stop the game. LeBron uh, spoke. I just want to say I thank you so much because I wouldn't be me without y'all. All y'all help, all y'all passion, all y'all sacrifices helped me get to this point. And to the NBA, to Adam Silver, to the late, great David Stern, I thank you guys so much for allowing me to be a part of something I've always dreamed about. And, um, I would never, ever, in a million years, uh, dreamt this even better than what it is tonight. So, man, thank you, guys. I guess that's what happens when you get somebody right in the middle of the game. Uh, Anyway, congratulations to LeBron. You know what stands out about LeBron more than anything is not that, that he lived up to the hype. He truly exceeded as much hype as I can really remember for too many athletes. Most guys since then have not lived up to the hype. 
Before him, yes, Bird and Magic both lived up to the hype, and there was plenty of it around both of them. Kareem, I mean, there were some other guys like that, and some that didn't, Ralph Sampson and a few others, but there were plenty of guys that lived up or exceeded the hype before LeBron. How many have exceeded the hype since? I mean, Andrew Luck was the most hyped athlete in the NFL that we've seen. Didn't even come close, right? I mean, he was a good player, don't get me wrong, but he did not come close to the hype. The hype became different in LeBron's era because there was more outlets to to hype. True, like a high yep. school kid. But, who, but, but who's done it since? With I mean, just amazing. Who's done it since? I I can't think of anybody who was hyped to his level. Sidney Crosby was pretty hyped. That's beforehand, the I next think. Coming of Gretzky. Isn't uh, he was in Sports Illustrated at like sixteen years old? No, I know, but isn't that before LeBron? I think Sid was here before LeBron. They were about the same time. That's a good one. All right, I'll, I'll take Sidney Crosby. That's a good one. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. They're both like the the chosen one. I, you heard a lot with Bryce Harper, too. right? Yeah, and he's been the, really good, but I would not say, not this. right? I mean, Strasburg was another guy that was looked at that way, and at times he's flashed that level of dominance, but certainly nothing compared to LeBron James in terms of exceeding hype. Some of those guys have lived up to it. I'll buy Sidney Crosby. I don't know about the timing of it. We'd have to go back and look at the dates, but you're right on that one. I'll I'll give you that one for sure. The hype that was put on LeBron seemed just impossible to live up to, and the fact that he has is... He's lived up to it. He's exceeded it. He became the NBA's all-time leading scorer while doing and accomplishing everything else he's done along the way. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing to have done as we watch now and and see how many people throughout sports struggle with the pressure, right? Having a lead in sports at times seems like the worst thing you can have. Having the pressure put on you of being the favorite, having the pressure put on you of everybody gunning for you, that's been a challenge for so many modern athletes. You're right. Sidney Crosby is absolutely one that you should put on that list. Great, great pull more. I totally agree with you on that as I think through it. He was, you know, number one overall pick, supposed to be the next Gretzky. He has absolutely lived so up I to his height. Just looked, and LeBron's like chosen one Sports Illustrated cover was in 2002, and it looks like Crosby's was in 2003. Oh, wow. Well, so, so you lose. I'm sorry. It was late. <laughs> All right. No, I'm going to include. You said who came after LeBron? <laughs> right. How I lose. Oh, oh, I thought it was the year before. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, oh, oh then, then you win. Yes. Congratulations, Mario. You've, you've the won. The next one. Price is right. Uh, yeah. He, 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 let's put him on that list. I want to know how many other people you would put on that list, guys who have at the very least lived up to their hype, but really exceeded it. Shoot us a text, 866-979-3776. Tiger Woods, yeah, that's before, is that the same time? When is Tiger? Are there what? any that are living it now? Like, Because this is one of those things that you don't notice until like 10 or 15 years later, right? Right. So, is there anybody that we've heard I mean, in the last couple of years that is supposed to be a, a I mean, one? There was a lot of hype around McDavid. I don't know if it was quite at the same LeBron James level. Yeah. Hockey's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about some of that. I don't know. Let's hear from you guys. 866-979-3776. Who has exceeded their hype since LeBron? So since, what did you say, 1998? In the years since 1998, who has who was received an enormous amount of hype, LeBron-level hype, and then actually lived up to or exceeded it. Shoot us a text. We'll come right back. It's Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710. Salesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. Counting down those days before we leave for spring training. As a matter of fact, I just changed my flight to leave another day earlier. Because it, uh, it beckons, Brock. The sun, the warmth, the nice weather. Peoria beckons. What can I tell you? Mm. Soon, man. 
Can't wait to hear them spikes at the end of the month. I know. It's going to be fun, huh? Super jelly last year. I'm not going to lie to you. I was super jelly. Was that hard for you? It was. Justin and I were down there. Just uh, challenging for you. Stuck. Maybe about the only real jealousy. Yeah, I yeah, can see that. Over the couple of years. Yeah, yep. I that, get it. That was tough. I could have called you every morning at 430. You wouldn't have been nearly as jealous about that. True. Uh, Jeffrey Passan, our friend, joining us right now. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? It's nice to talk to you in the off season, although it's starting to get closer and closer to uh, to at least the you know spring training, the beginning of the season. We're starting to pick up our baseball um, vibes. We oh, have Passon to- can feel it. I mean, Passon told I me he think. had he had to work out, so he's getting ready for he's getting back in suit shape. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah, to make know, sure everything fits. Yeah, he's doing his he's doing his traps. <laughs> he's working his neck machine. He's doing his lifts. He's he's getting ready for your suit shape because. You're going to be putting that suit on here soon enough. Talk about spring training, passing. What do you mean soon enough? I got to bed in my suit every night. Oh, Come on. God. <laughs> Don't you know me? <laughs> I do too, but it's that hair suit, unfortunately. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. I don't want to think about that. No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, God. that's that's the penance on, when you come on this show. On. You know what? Since you since you open the door, do you have a back hair problem? Yeah, of course. I feel like you might. Of course I yeah. do. Yeah. Jeff, Not only do I have I a back hair problem, Jeff, Jeff. I, I I tried everything. I I went to get laser uh, laser and it didn't work. And the laser said, "Oh dear God, no." <laughs> the laser quit. <laughs> You, you, I, I feel like you are the scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're where they're getting their toenails buffed, except it's your back hair, My and, back's and it's almost like Ew. it's almost like a turtle shell. I'm gonna start to like Teenage Mutant Ninja Radio host. Well, I make my wife uh, shave it before no, we go don't on finish vacation. That sentence. Do not finish that sentence, Sock. <laughs> Poor girl. My God. Well, make is probably a strong phrase. She's happy to do it because, you know, then she doesn't have to look at my disgusting Mary back when we're out in the sun. All right. Why are we talking? Brock, why did you invite him on here to talk about my disgusting back hair or to get excited about the Mariners? My God, man. This no, is ridiculous. I'm just trying. Here's the thing. I feel like I need to make people laugh after calling them spoiled and greedy last time. So uh, this is. And and I will uh, since I haven't been on the radio, I have like addressed this on Twitter. Um, that was a little excessive, <laughs> and, and 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 I and I and I apologize for letting uh, my my words get the best of me there. I think the sentiment was actually reasonable and fair, which is that this is not a one year process, and this is something that you have to look at over a multiple season period or a multiple free agent period to understand how it all fits and, and what the puzzle looks like. And I know preaching patience for a fan base that's waited 20 years for relevancy is a hard thing to do, but I also think it's the most realistic thing as well. And that rather than lament what you don't have, it's best to appreciate what you do have, which is a pretty darn good baseball team that's made pretty big steps forward over the last 24 months or so. I think uh, the curiosity or the sentiment of a lot of that fan base is pretty simple. Can be boiled down to this Jeff over this off season. And it's not quite done. I think the rosters are fairly set. We chat with Jerry Uh every week and, and I think it's fairly set, but they've got dry powder win. And if there comes a time to use it, but the sentiment of the question is this over the course of this off season, have the Mariners gained more ground on the Astros or did the Rangers and Angels gain more ground on the Mariners? 
Hmm, I haven't looked at it that way. I don't see the Rangers or Angels as big threats to the Mariners, to be honest. I think they're going to be better, but mm-hmm. I still I still think the Mariners are pretty clearly the second best team in the division. And I don't think they've caught up to the Astros. You know, Astros losing Verlander, big, but they have like seven starters last year, so they can fill in the back end of the rotation just fine there. And they added Jose Abreu. And so uh, I think the the Astros have done a nice job of keeping together a championship core. Um, so on that, on that, on that uh, band, let me just play you something from Jerry. This is something DePoto told us last week, and I'm curious how you would evaluate this. Cause he looked at it and says, we don't see it. Like we're closing a 16 game game gap. We didn't view our off season goal as trying to close a 16 game gap with the, the Astros. We don't feel like we were a true 16 game separation away from them because our team changed so much while that was all happening. So, you know, broadly, yeah, we finished behind them by, by that amount. You know, more acutely, what we saw after Luis joined the team, second half George Kirby was cons- considerably different than first half George Kirby. You know, June to September Julio was very different than April and May Julio. And then the same for Cal Raleigh. And the same, uh, our team evolved. Is that a fair thing to look at? Yeah, but you also need to balance it out with the fact that I'm sorry, but the Mariners pitching is not going to be as healthy this year as it was last year mm-hmm. because it's damn near impossible to have starters throw as many innings and as many games as they did without an injury, right? Like, is as much as you want to look at the positive stuff that happened over the last four months, which is a very reasonable thing to do, you also have to look at what could go wrong and factor that in. And I'm not trying to listen. I understand uh, the wet blanket like has been a real thing in the past, and I'm not trying to bring that back out right now. I'm just trying to be realistic where if you're looking at that 90 something percentile, uh, you also better be looking at the 10th because it's probably going to end up somewhere in between. And so uh, I, I, I get what he's saying. I'm not fully on board with that idea though, that, the the Astros aren't 16 wins better than the Mariners because uh, honestly I think they probably still are. So can that be a part of the reason? And, and I know Salk wants to ask you in totality of the trade market this soft season, but can that be part of the reason that we have not seen Flexen moved? We've not seen Marco moved. We've not seen Bryce Miller, who they're incredibly high on behind the scenes. It yep. sure feels like. Is that part of the reason then, Jeffrey, why we have not seen a Ryan Reynolds trade, that we have not seen a major blockbuster trade? Because they, too, know that last year was the outlier when it comes to the health of those arms. I think that is a very reasonable supposition, Brock. And I I look at it like this. I'm going to be writing a story on this in spring training, actually. But uh, look at all the contending teams this year, like all the teams that think they may have a shot at the playoffs. Um, almost every one of them has six or seven big league ready, good starting pitchers. Uh, starting pitching depth is paramount. And, uh, you know, relievers, they're, they're fungible. Like we've seen that. We've seen how the, the Mariners have cycled through relievers over the last few years. And you have 
a few guys who who stay and and who prove themselves worthy year after year. But those are the exceptions. Starting pitching, it, it's really hard to go out and find a guy, and bad starting pitching can crush you. And so having six or seven guys there, uh, guys who you believe are ready, uh, I, I think it's a necessity. And and by the way, I I also do think Bryce Miller will be pitching big league innings this year. Like. I think he's going to be pitching important innings. I don't know if he's going to be George Kirby necessarily, but uh, I think he will be a a good part of this team in the second half. He may be a part of it right off the bat out of the bullpen. They may decide to go that road just given yeah, the fact that he throws I mean, 102. Could, the, yeah, I, I mean, they could, but it's almost like with Brash. You give the guy a chance to be a starter first mm-hmm. because the, the, value, the value of a starter is just so much it's bigger. Huge than that of a reliever. I mean, you can, you know, Andres Munoz at his absolute apex is probably value-wise worth about the same as a slightly above league average starter. Yeah, I think that's that's right. That's just what innings do. I mean, you know, if you look at replacing innings with replacement level stuff, that's what's going to lose you games. And uh, especially those like those early innings. If if you're down five nothing early in a game, you better have a really good offense if you want to be able to come back from that. Or you know, just get good starting pitching and don't go down five nothing early. So speaking speaking of that offense, so you know they're making a little bit of a bet here on Jared Kelnick. They're, they've they've done yes, they everything are. they can to try to help him. I was I was likening it to Trot Nixon in 1999. Similar kind of guy, left-handed hitter, hard work. You know, a very intense family, very intense guy, got passed over by a prospect before him. And when the, the Red Sox finally decided to give him his real shot, he didn't hit lefties and he hit ninth all year. So they're basically doing the same thing for Kelnick and they're going to see if he can make it. If he doesn't, how hard is it to trade for a left fielder in June? Not. <laughs> I mean... It's, it should not be difficult to find a left fielder at some point. Uh, or, I mean, left field, remember, is the easiest of the outfield positions to play. So you uh, you theoretically could trade for a center fielder or you theoretically could trade for a right fielder, too. And uh, I, I think, by the way, this is the right thing to do. It, Jared Kelnick, remember, was supposed to be like the centerpiece of this. Like the centerpiece before Julio emerged the way that he has Kelnick was the guy. And so to not give him the opportunity every single day to go out there, you have enough surrounding him now to buttress it. Like if he fails, if this doesn't work, you can move him and, and you can feel good that you gave him the opportunity finally to actually capture this job. And, you know, Sometimes prospects don't work out, um, but I, I actually have faith in him. I think he's going to be good still. And, and I may I may be dead wrong on this, but enough people uh, whose opinions I respect think there's still something there for me to, to say this guy's cooked, get rid of him, change the scenery is necessary. And if you're going to do it, uh, do it with a team that's got enough talent to, to cover it if it's not working. Yeah, Jeffrey, any any fire to the smoke when it comes to Fernando Tatis seems to be a lot of little rumors and innuendos and rumblings and gossip that he may be on the trade market. 
grumblings about where he's going to play positionally an elite elite talent obviously a track record of injury and and some performance enhancing issues is fernando tatis going to be a padre this entire season i i have um i have no idea where these are coming from because a couple things brock number one he's got a full no trade clause so if they want to move him he's got to say yes and he is not inclined at this moment to say yes but beyond that, if you're another team, are you really going to trade for a guy who's got three hundred, like twenty-five plus million dollars? I think left on his contract when he's coming off a PED suspension. You have no idea what he is, and and to to make that investment in somebody who has shown a string of bad decision making, uh, it's it's just a really difficult thing to do. I think so. I don't know where these rumors are coming from or who's starting them or what the veracity is, but none of them makes sense to Probably me. Probably Morosi. I just blame Morosi. I that that's fine, you know. I mean <laughs> Greg Amsinger was the one talking about it last week. So uh-huh. we'll go Greg blame Bishop. Greg. I didn't didn't yeah. Bishop write about it. Would you ever live with Greg Bishop? Uh, you know what? Stop right there. Let me tell you something about that. <laughs> Hey, uh, last quick question because I know oh, you. Oh, I got one more. You got one. I got one. Jeff's got to go. He, he's got oh. something he's got to go do. So, oh, really shoot. quick. Major League average last year, Jeff, was 243, lowest since yep. the 60s. With a shift change and everything else this year, what will the Major League average be? I think it's going to be at least 10 points higher. Wow. That's a huge it's not, difference. It's not, it's not the shift, it's the pitch clock. Okay. I think the pitch clock is going to have, and an, I think it is going to be the most important change in baseball in at least half a century. Wow! Wow! We got to hear more about this. Then. Let, I, I know you got to run, me, but let I want to hear let more. Just, let me let me just let me just let me just say this: um, baseball fans are going to love it, and people who maybe want to be baseball fans but think games too long are going to be attracted even more to the idea of it now because I think the average game time is going to go down somewhere in the range of 15 minutes. And we're finally going to get back to sub-three-hour games. I I would be willing to bet that there's going to be a sub-two-hour major league game at least at one point this year. Wow. Two-and-a-half-hour games are going to be regular. Like, you're going to see two-and-a-half-hour games all the time. You know who likes that? Morning hosts. Everyone. Morning hosts. <laughs> we really like that. Morning radio hosts are like, oh, really? You're going to start games at 640 and they might be done by nine o'clock? Sold. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Thank yes. you, Jeffrey. Hey, Jeff, I got this text from Matt in Oregon who says, you know, the wet blanket's also what Salk calls his back hair after a brisk walk. So <laughs> <laughs> apparently we're on the same page here. I like that. a boy. There you go. Thank you, Matt. Much God, appreciated. So gross. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. There you go. There's, there's the great Jeff Passon. He is great. Jeff Passon uh, joining us. Uh, he will again this baseball season. I think we're going to go back to Wednesdays at 730 once uh, baseball season kicks in. So looking forward to doing that. Make sure uh, you set a little appointment because uh, Jeff's as tapped in as anybody is. Big new, Biggest newsbreaker these days uh, for ESPN. So. Um, talking through those rules and Justin, I know you, you sent over kind of what everything looks like last night. So I read through that. So the pitch clock, 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds with a man on base. Right. Yep. And you can throw over twice or step off something to disrupt. Right. 
and you can and and that does restart the clock. It goes back to 20 seconds with the man on base. But after you have disengaged, either stepped off or thrown over twice, if you do it again, you either need to get the person out or it's a ball. Yep. Right? Meanwhile, there's some rules on the batter. They've got to be in the box. They can only call timeout once during an at-bat, which I think is good. I actually kind of like that. I mean, let's limit the amount of timeout. Yes, you deserve a timeout, but it doesn't need to be five different times. Okay, cool. I'm I'm down with all that. Taking I, away some of the head games, though. That's I know. I think that's I, I don't like that, and 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 especially in the playoffs, seeing guys step out and sort of the back and forth of the pitcher and the batter, kind of trying to each screw each other's rhythm. Like I'm gonna kind of miss that. I think that's sort of a part of the game. But okay, whatever. Um, if you're the so the the pitch clock starts when the catcher th- throws the ball back to the pitcher and he receives the ball, right? Why doesn't the catcher just hold on to the ball for a while? Oh, I bet that'll happen, right? Like, sure oh, it's time to happen. slow this thing down. I'm just going to stand here before I throw the ball back to the pitcher. Or like, hey, I need to do baseball. I'm going to rub it down for a minute. Right, I got to do this, got to do that. Eh, right. I mean, so there's still going to be ways to slow the game down, I would think, in order to kind of let everything everything just, just breathe a little bit. But, you know, I, I've talked a lot over the years about how the game speeds up on young players, especially young pitchers. And this is going to magnify that. And if the game starts to spiral on one of those guys and it leads to more offense, I suppose that's a good thing. And maybe that's what Jeff's talking about, how that will lead to more offense, even more than the the banning of the shift. So, OK, I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to try to be open minded. I still think it's an unnecessary step. But I'll be open-minded to the fact that maybe it'll improve the game in some ways. One quick thing. I think you mentioned if the pitcher steps off a third time, it's a ball. Unless is, he gets him out. No, it is a balk. Oh, it's a balk. It oh, is, so he moves treated, the runner. Excuse me. If a third pickoff attempt is, is successful, it is not treated as a balk. If he steps, uh, attempts to pick off a third time, it is treated as a balk. So the runners will automatically advance. Wow. So okay. not a ball. Right. So at that point, you're essentially just giving the person the base. Yeah. Yeah, so that I mean, all of those things are going to drastically change the game. That is, uh, that is going to be worth watching, and it's going to look a whole lot different. So, looking forward to this season starting for uh, a number of reasons. And I don't know, did you read the part where? Because I was wondering about how some of the old heads think about it. Uh, Matt Carpenter, who spent some time in AAA, mm-hmm. he's playing. He said he he grew into liking it. Yeah, and fully endorses it in the major league game. So. I mean, obviously there's people who don't, but it's good to hear from somebody with that much time in the big stuff. Again, I'm kind of down with it in the regular season. Having it in the playoffs doesn't feel right to me because all of that tension and all of that space to me is sort of important. But I guess it would also be weird to do this for a whole regular season and then not do it in the playoffs. But you know what? They can experiment with it. They'll try it this year. We'll see what it looks like. We'll see where you know it works and where it doesn't. And there's nothing that baseball's shown an ability to go back. Right. Remember, they had that stupid rule a few years ago with oh, the juggling transfer. catch and the transfer rule, and they went back and fixed it midseason. Yeah. So I'm sure they will do some of that as as we see how this works once the uh, year begins. Uh, we were talking through LeBron earlier and people that have lived up to enormous hype or maybe even exceeded it. And it's interesting. There, there were a lot of suggestions from you guys. Thank you uh, on the text machine here. Eight, six, six, nine, seven, nine, three, seven, seven, six. Um a lot of them were of the same era. The Williams sisters who were a few years before LeBron Serena, I think was 95 or 96. And obviously Venus was a few years before that. Um, people noted, um, we, well, we talked about Sidney Crosby, uh-huh. uh, who, who else was of that era? Uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, right? So, so there was sort of a grouping in that era that all lived up to or exceeded the hype. 
You want to put Rory McIlroy on the list? Yeah. I mean, Rory's absolutely been a dominant, great player, but not at the LeBron level. Sure. He's one of the best players in golf, right? He's one of the best golfers, and he's won majors, et cetera, won at three different. I mean, he's been tremendous. I don't know if I'd quite put it at the LeBron category. I mean, I don't think you really any of the people we're talking about. It's just they, maybe they lived up to the hype, but I don't know if anyone's really. I think you could put Sidney Crosby close. I mean, all right, he didn't pass Gretzky, but I would put. I think you, your first inclination was great, and if you want to put Tiger on the list, obviously Tiger maybe even supersedes LeBron James, right? In terms of what he accomplished in his sport, and certainly the hype was there for uh, for Tiger Woods. I don't know whether he had to deal with it quite the same way. He was more, you know, groundbreaking, certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Tiger's probably on that list. The only one more recently that I think anybody's really pointed to is um, is Shohei Otani. And I think that's a good one. I mean, there was certainly a tremendous amount of hype around what he was capable of doing it as both a hitter and a pitcher. And after, you know, an injury sort of stole the beginning of that from us, he's done every bit of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I would put him on that list for sure. Some uh, I saw somebody texting about Sean White. I remember thinking, I remember that as a kid being like, oh, whoa, yeah, this is, and he lived into every single was, step of was that. Was there hype or did he create that hype once he turned pro? I mean, like, it's not like people are watching, you know, 10 year old snowboarders and being fair. like, totally one fair. day this guy but is going to live he up. Was on the, he was on the X Games, I think, as like a 14 year old or something. Was it that young? I thought it was very Oh, yeah. Young. But isn't yeah. that like when you start that stuff? Like, can't you be good at that stuff at that age? I think that's not quite as unusual. But it opened up my mind to more of the like motorsports. Somebody said Kyle Busch. I thought of James Bubba Stewart in Supercross, who was tagged as being that kid coming up. But nothing is going to come close to the point. Nothing. I, I mean, other than Tiger. Tiger. Right? And, and, and I think Crosby. Sidney Crosby's a really good one. So those would probably be the three. It's interesting that they happened in such a short window of time in the mid to late 90s. Was there something about that time? Maybe. Did something change since then? Also, really I mean, great marketing campaigns media. around the Nike Witness campaign. Right? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I guess they all have some well, various things in common. the cover but. of Sports Illustrated was huge back Yeah, it was. Then. It was. I feel like that's not really a... No, it's a little bit different. Andrew Luck is going to be the one that I point to just sort of disappointed and still had a great career. It's not a shot at Andrew Luck, but he was supposed to be of this of this ilk and never, never quite got there. So congrats to LeBron. Really, really impressive accomplishment last night as he becomes the all time. Uh, text from three, six, seven. Will the batter be penalized if he takes forever to step into the box? Yes. Yes. They are, like, yes. With eight seconds left. Otherwise, it's an automatic strike. There you go. Thank you. All right. Brock's coming in in a moment here, uh, and I know that he's got something on his mind. We will uh, discuss it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and SeattleSports.com.